Hi everyone, and welcome to SEMA. SEMA is a program which invites experts each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. And this week we are lucky to have Sean McCormick to teach us about flotation therapy. Sean is a performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, biohacker, and workshop host. He works with individuals and organizations to help them increase their effectiveness and deepen their purpose. Since founding Float Seattle in 2012, the West Coast's highest rating float centre chain, Sean has floated for over 600 hours and has cultivated a float practice parallel to his meditation practice, uncovering a spiritual and personal development approach that has reached over, wait for it, 30,000 people throughout the Pacific Northwest. Sean, it's fantastic to have you with us. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> What is flotation therapy? Flotation therapy is comes by a lot of names. Um, sensory deprivation tanks, flotation tanks, isolation chambers. These are all different names for the same practice, which is to literally float in 10 inches of Epsom salt water with a uh, thousand pounds of Epsom salt in the water. Wow. So it's nearly saturated. It's more salty than the Dead Sea. And when you float in a float tank that's wider than your arms can go out to the side of the side and longer than your arms can go, uh, when you're in a flotation tank, you're literally floating on your back, totally buoyant um, for a purpose. Uh, the buoyancy is caused uh, from the Epsom salt, from the saturated solution, mm. and there are myriad benefits. Um, during this float, the aim is, is to achieve what's called REST, and REST is an acronym for Restricted Environmental Stimuli Therapy. So unlike what some people think about when they think of float tanks or sensory deprivation tanks, that it's like torture, right? That they're going to go into this <laughs> creepy box and freak out. And maybe some of uh, the viewers and listeners have seen the movie altered States, you know, where the guy goes and floats. It was with William Hurt. It was in the 1980s. That's most people's cultural, cultural reference. Recently it's been referenced in like the Simpsons and stranger things where, uh, um, uh, it's becoming more and more popular, but it still is not anywhere uh, where it should be. So the benefits of one hour in a float tank are equivalent to four hours of REM sleep. And the reason is, is because when you float, your parathetic uh, system kicks on. So rest, digest, blood flow, um, those sorts of natural occurring processes in our body begin, begin to come more into the forefront because you are in a parasympathetic state. You're not responding to external stimuli floating in the dark, or you can leave the light on in the quiet, or you can turn some music on. But when you're floating in that totally buoyant state, the, the, the clinical, research shows um, it helps with anxiety, depression, hypertension, insomnia. There's a giant list of other things that it does, but 
that was a long explanation to a very simple question, but the rabbit hole is deep. Oh, well, we'll go down that rabbit hole. We'll take it, we'll see where it takes us. But how, how did you first get involved with flotation therapy? Yeah, I, I have meditated um, since I was a kid. My folks taught me transcendental meditation when I was 12. And so my meditation practice has ebbed and flowed you know, through my teens, high school, into college. And it has shifted from Zazen to mindfulness to TM, back to mindfulness. And in the research on how I could deepen my meditation practice, I kept coming across this reference to sensory deprivation tanks. Yes. And what it does is it sort of meditates you. It is a meditation device because that nothingness, that non-thought, that theta brainwave state that we look for uh, in meditation, it is provided in the float tank. And so in these um, papers and books where I was looking to deepen my meditation, it kept coming up. And so I did what any curious guy would do is I found somebody on Craigslist, basically the online classifieds. And uh, this guy had a tank in his house, in his basement. <laughs> yeah. And I went. Of course I went. So this was the only float tank in, in the city that I live in, which is in Seattle, Washington. And so I went and floated at this guy's house as a way to, to, really, to really explore my own consciousness. I've always been interested in consciousness, in altered states of consciousness. And... So I floated at his house and I had, uh, I had a transcendent experience. I had an out-of-body experience on my very first float session. Um, I could tell, like, we can go back to that, but that, that one, ex that first initial experience was poignant for me. It changed, changed my, I mean, to project involuntarily out-of-body kind of changes the way that you think about yourself. And then I forgot about it for four or five years. And while having conversations with my wife about what we wanted to do when we grew up, we were, all, we were both working desk jobs that we weren't in love with. We were exploring alternative lifestyles. We were going to do a juice shop in Hawaii. We were going to teach English in Thailand. We were looking at all these opportunities. And I said, you know, what about a float center? My wife goes, what? <laughs> and I go, you remember that one thing I did at that one guy's house? I got naked and floated in his, she's like, Oh, I do remember that. And I said, there should be a float center in Seattle. There's one, you know, uh, six hours away from us. Um, what do you say? We take a look at this. And so from she, she never says yes to any of my shenanigans. So when she said, okay, the door swung open. I threw myself into the research. How can I bring this to market? How can I start a business? How can I make this an, like an intricate part of my life, a fundamental part of my life? And two years later, we opened our first location in 2012. Your story about going down to a stranger's basement, yeah. hopping into a, a room, which has got no lighting, it's got the water. You're a brave person. <laughs> if you ever watched a horror movie, that's how they almost always start. You go down to yeah. the basement. <laughs> yeah. I, and I knew that, I, and, I, and I, I, was, I was so committed. You know, I wasn't naive about the risk that I was taking. I was so yeah. committed to this. Yeah. I wanted to try it so badly. 
that I was willing to go to Brian's house. And he invited me in and said, you know, come this way. (laughs) So he and I went downstairs into his basement. Um, He had kids toys everywhere. He was a, he's a yoga instructor and massage therapist, you know, hippy dippy guy. Like this guy's probably not going to murder me. And then he says, uh, okay, go ahead and strip down and go take a shower. And I was like, now he's like yeah now so i stripped down and took a shower in his kid's bathroom down in the basement and then made my way back into the float tank and he shut the door on me he could have locked me in if he wanted to but he didn't (laughs) the um the epsom salt that's got huge amounts of potassium in it isn't it so that's it's it's magnesium sulfate. Magnesium, magnesium. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Magnesium is an important, yeah. Magnesium and potassium are really the two, the two minerals that we lack in a major mm-hmm. way. Magnesium fuels mitochondria. Um, it lubricates the synovial fluid in joints. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you relax your muscles. It helps you get to sleep. Most headaches are associated with a deficiency in magnesium. And when you take magnesium orally, you excrete most of it. Your body doesn't, doesn't keep most of the magnesium. It just excretes it. But when you float, your body absorbs it through your skin, which makes it immediately bioavailable. Yes. So as, as soon as you get in there, your body just like opens and relaxes and kind of like literally kind of like melts into the water. Um, and yeah, the benefits, the benefits last for days and days. Wow. So it's got that, that pure physiological thing. You know, everyone knows to add Epsom salts to your bath if you've got you know, creaking joints or other sort of uh, cramping pains in your muscles even. So you, this is on a large scale, like one ton of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's the same thing that my mother and your mother do did growing up, which is to throw a handful of Epsom salts in their bath every night. My mom still takes a bath every single night. Um, and this is just that, you know, times a thousand because there's a thousand pounds yes. um, in the float tank. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty intense solution. Is the water warm in the tanks? Yes. The water is 93 and a half degrees, which is the external temperature of your skin. So the internal temperature is obviously 98.6, but the external layer of your skin is at 98, uh, is 93.5. And so the water is specifically tempered in that way so that you can't really tell what's your body and what's the water and the atmosphere inside of these flow tanks uh, is such that it you really it really you really do feel like a baby floating in outer space behind you. I mean, it is it's it's that consistent. Um, it's it's specifically designed to allow you to sort of forget about your body, and it's effective. I'm happy you use that as the analogy because I was just about to say that a baby floating around in the embryonic sac is. Uh, I guess there'd be some light passing through the skin and through its eyelids, but uh, there won't have many senses, you know, well, actually hearing as well, wouldn't it? I think it probably has a lot of senses, but is it emulating in the embryonic state? 
It is. And a lot of people walk out of their first float and the first thing they say is, wow, that must be what it's like to be in the womb. Because it does, it does feel just like that. It feels just like what it would feel like to be in floating around in amniotic fluid. And you have earplugs in your ears because your ears are under the water. And, you know, good float centers design uh, to, to, uh, to block out sound. Yeah. So the, there's no sound coming into the float tank. It's so quiet and you're so uh, focused and so present with your own body and your own breath and your own heartbeat, like hearing your heartbeat, hearing your respiration, even like hearing your eyelids blink while you're inside the tank <laughs> for some people is pretty intense and, yes. and, and that's what they need. They need to be quiet and sit still and lay back and chill out and breathe, you know? So it's a way where you can fully remove yourself from all, from the overload, sensory overload of being, of being um, conscious and, <laughs> You know, yeah. in the outside, just everything is is um, disturbing us. Everything is well overloading us, and and so in the tanks, it's nothing. It's like the extreme opposite, where you can now you you'd meditate, right? Do uh, does does everyone meditate, or they just most people just lie down and relax? Most people just lie down and relax. And you know, in, in talks that I've given in the past, I you know I talk about what to do when you're in there. And I always start by saying nothing, nothing. End of discussion. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> you know, like I'm not supposed to tell you that you may experience past life regression or have open eye visual hypnagogic imagery or um, light changing fractals or songs that come out of nowhere. Uh, that's I don't tell we don't tell people that before they get into the tank we just let them have their own experience and when it is so so intimate so personal so individual some people have really amazing experiences some people um uh are faced with things that they have been suppressing for a while that just sort of come up that have been trying to come up for a long time, but they've been suppressing them in their subconscious. And then it comes right to the surface, your relationship with your mother, your job, your death, these things sort of naturally bubble up to the surface uh, for a lot of people. Wow. Um, if you do meditation normally, and then you do a flotation therapy session, what is the difference? How, what sort of um, what, how is it better, in your opinion, or what you've seen? Well, the physiological benefits of being supine, you know, being on your back, you get traction on your spine from the buoyancy um, because there's no gravity um, keeping you down. Yes. And unlike being in a bed, even when you're supported by a bed, you're still you're still being held. And so when you, the, the, the physical repose, the physical restoration, the benefits that you get physically from a float session versus a meditation session are, are totally different. Um, you're, you can try your meditation technique in the float tank 
and sometimes it works, but it really is a, a, a totally different experience. And if you're used to seated, sitting on a cushion, breathing, um, you know, reciting a mantra, that may not work when you're on your back in the dark, in the quiet, um, you know, swishing around in nothingness. But the, the mental benefits, uh, the similarities are in the theta brainwave state. And the theta brainwave state is a subconscious state um, that's like you're not really awake and you're not really asleep. You're in wow. this sort of halfway mid-range. And that there are more occurrences of those brainwaves while you're floating and for a longer duration than in normal waking states and even in meditative states. And there are, there are references to lifelong meditators, you know, like Buddhist monks that have tried floating for the first time that have said, I went deeper in an hour in the float tank than I ever have in my meditation because it's, it's just so different. The full immersive experience is profound. Wow. Wow. A couple of questions that come through the Facebook. Um, um, there's one from Emma. Uh, can people can people float if they're menstruating? Yes, same as a pool. If you're if you're on your moon cycle, you can just use the same things that you would use if you were swimming. Yeah, totally okay. Okay. Another question from Elsa. Um, Elsa asks, uh, "What should I do after I float?" I That's up to you. Yeah, uh, you know you may want to go have a conversation with a friend. You may want to go eat some food. The food will taste better after a float. I promise, you know, going for a walk for some people, the level of tension released in their body from a float session is energizing for them. They may feel like, man, I feel my body feels really great. I want to go for a walk or I want to go for a run. Most commonly, I think more commonly is that people are so relaxed by their experience and their mind is so calm that writing in a journal is a good idea. Um, having a sit, just, just sitting quietly, certainly don't pull out your phone and start scrolling through, through <laughs> Facebook. Like that's, gonna, that's, that's tapping back into the matrix and that's the last thing that you want to do. But I would, I would eat, I would give some love, I would receive some love, go for a walk, write, a, write some journal entries about what your experience was you know, spend some time thinking about what you just went through because the benefits both emotionally and spiritually along with the physical benefits, they last for a long time. So the more that you can align with those, the greater the, greater the benefit will be and longer lasting. Now you've been doing it for a little while now. Have you in your experience seen other people's lives change as a result of flotation therapy? Yes. Yeah. We did a, there was a, an ABC News report um, that came out to our float center. I think this was in 2013 or 2014. And they highlighted one specific woman uh, in that story, this woman named Ashley, who I still stayed in contact with. She, uh, she was a nurse, so she would work 12 or 16 hour shifts she was in a heightened state even after she was done working and she was turning to stimulants and drugs and alcohol to like level herself. She was yeah. self-medicating negatively. Mm -hmm. 
after her first float, she quit drugs and alcohol and totally changed her life and her health. And what she found was, is that thinking about smoking a cigarette after going through this, it just was no longer appetizing for her. You know, I've seen people lose large amounts of weight. I've seen people totally turn around, you know, crippling depression. Yes. I've seen people um, recover from, from um, surgeries, from traumatic disease, um, PTSD processing. Um, it, it's, it's fairly common that when people pick this up as a normal practice, it really, it's not a panacea, but it's the close. Is if this was a pill that you could prescribe, it would be the number one pill in the world. There's no doubt about it. The effects are that immense. Um, and if you stick with it, like anything, like exercise, like eating your vegetables, like meditation, the benefits are, are cumulative. So after two or three or 10, or in my case, you know, 640 floats, the, 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 the benefits, they, they last longer and you begin to, to be more of yourself in a really, really profound way. Right. Well, people that are battle fatigued, if they come back from a war zone, um, quite often the, the nation turns their back on these people, especially if the, um, and it's very, very sad because they, they were willing to give their lives and they didn't, they, are not, they weren't recognized as heroes, which is what they are. So they've got that stigma. They've got uh, the sights that they've seen, they, what they have experienced. Would flotation therapy help them to live a normal life? Yes. Yes, it will. And also, it should be combined with therapy. Yes. Because there are things that are going to come up episodes from your life. Yes. Visions from combat that are troubling. Right. That demand right. your attention, that demand that processing. Right. So a few therapeutic modalities that work really well with floating are, you know, gestalt therapy, um, somatic experiencing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, um, ceremony of various, I know that that's another conversation, but, but yes, when you have finally some peace and quiet that you don't even maybe get when you dream, you know, for people who are suffering from, you know, post post-war PTSD, this is maybe the first time that you've been able to be relaxed because your body is kind of being forced to relax. Um, and keeping your eyes open is one technique in the float tank that people don't know what to do. They don't know if they're supposed to keep their eyes open or closed. And if when you close your eyes, you have flashbacks or you have troubling images that come up, yes. you can keep your eyes open and just stare yes. into the dark yes. and allow your body to process that in a different way. Okay. Okay. I wonder why they don't make it a standard practice then if there are benefits. I wonder if they don't. There, it's becoming more popular. There are there are float tanks at um, at uh, um, blanking on the names, um, but there's even organizations here in the states uh, in Virginia 
um, and I think it's called the um, uh, Veteran Flotation Project, and it's in Virginia, and I forget the names of the guys. I'm blanking on it, but those guys are specifically serving uh, veteran populations oh, and combining it. Yeah, combining it with other modalities that will help them process their trauma and move on with their life. We've done some work with the wound, um, with my float centers, you know, giving steeply discounted or even free floats to, to, to veterans because it is, it really is a a really useful tool for processing trauma and and just getting more in touch with yourself. Right. A question from James. Is there any age limit for flotation therapy? Uh, can children, for example, float? Yeah, and I've got a really good story. Um, no, there's no, there's no, there's no age requirement. Um, you know, it depends. If you've got a really mature eight-year-old and they can sit still, and you can go into the float room with them and kind of hang out by the float tank while they float, um, you can do it. Well, we, I got a phone call back when I was using my cell phone as the business number. I got a phone call from this little girl and she, uh, this cute little voice. And she said, hi, um, is this the floating? And I said, yeah, this is Sean. This is the owner of the float center. Um, how's it going? She goes, um, how old do you have to be to be floating? And I said, well, it kind of depends. You know, if you're, if, if you're, calm and mature and you can kind of relax a little bit it kind of it doesn't really matter and she goes well um i've got a friend who's interested in floating who thinks it would be really fun and good for her body um and she's young (laughs) and i go okay uh are we talking about you and she goes yeah and i said what's your name she goes my name's maude and i go nice to meet you maude uh i said maude how old are you? She goes, I'm six. And I go, wow. Okay. Uh, yes, you can come into float. I probably want to talk to your mom so that we can put a plan together so that you can get in here. And she goes, my mom's sitting right here. And, uh, I got her mom on the phone and I go, Oh my gosh, who is this girl? And she goes, she came out this way. She's going to be president. (laughs) Someday, she, just, she was born like this. And so I talked to her mom for a little bit. I met them to float. Um, Maude floated, her mom floated, and then the whole family started to float. They bought gift cards for friends, um, and she got a lot out of it. I think that she she has some tactile sensitivities, and there's there's probably a very strong likelihood that she has some intuitive abilities. You know, she's probably an empath. She may be a channel, um, definitely an intuit. And so she's sensitive to external stimuli. So to be in that state, to be in that, in that float tank, to have a break from the world, from everybody was something that she really cherished. And she floated really regularly for a while. So no, you, you, there's no, there's no age minimum. I would just work with whichever local float center is nearest you to, uh, to coordinate that. Right. Um, how often would you recommend people, if they do do float sessions, how often would you recommend they do that? And- it, de- it depends. I think intention is important. And, I, and it kind of depends on what you're after. You know, if you're, if you're doing it as a re- semi-regular, um, you know, stress-relieving technique, modality to help you balance off the rigors of the world, you know, 
a couple of times a month. Every other week is okay to, okay. to sort of reset. Yeah. If you're battling fibromyalgia, uh, Crohn's, uh, MS, and you're in chronic pain all the time, you can float every single day. There's, you okay. really can't overdo it. Um, we have lots of members that, that float four or five times a week because they don't sleep very well. And this is their only time to, to really recuperate and rest. Okay. Um, so you really can't overdo it. I mean, I still float, I still float two or three times a week um, because it's my time. I, I have my, my float practice has evolved from, Oh my God, how am I going to make this business work? I've got to float. I'm so stressed to business strategy, to spiritual practice. I recovered from a pretty gnarly motorcycle accident um, with floating alone, floating in some innovative um, physical therapy. So there's really, there's really no, you can't do it too much. Right. To prepare before floating, you've mentioned having a shower first. Are there any other preparation things you need to do? Stretching exercises, anything like that? The suggestions that we give are that you have a little something in your stomach, but not a full meal so yeah. that you aren't having digestion issues while you're inside there. Cause that's, you know, isn't conducive to, to relaxation. So we, we suggest that you have, you know, a little something in your stomach, a banana and some coconut water. Um, no, there's really no, there's really no preparation, a prayer, um, and in setting an intention, you know, my favorite times to float are fasted, you know, usually a 12 or 16 hour fast with a really hard workout and then go right from that workout right into the float tank to, to gain those, those sort of, uh, those parasympathetic benefits from going from a heightened state where my endorphins and my dopamine is all up and, 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 and uh, my, my circulation, my heart rate is up to go into the float tank is just like, um, totally incredible, but no, you shower before you put the earplugs in, you get in, lay back and the rest is up to you. you get in, lay back and lay back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you mentioned before the tank has got 10 inches of liquid in it. Do even large people float? Yes. Yes. Uh, we're pretty popular with the, uh, with professional athletes and college athletes. And there's actually increasing amounts of float tanks going into NBA locker rooms and NFL locker rooms here in the uh. States. It's growing, it's growing. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're a 360 pound offensive lineman, um, you'll float the same as a, as mod, you know, little, you know, 45 pound six year old. It's all the same. So the depth of the water doesn't really matter. Um, doesn't matter if you sink when you try to float in your pool. You're going to float here no matter what. Right, right. Can pregnant people float? Yes. My wife floated throughout both of, of her pregnancies. Um, the benefits are immense. The magnesium absorption, you know, um, more, than, more than a few times my wife and I would float together. Um, when she was pregnant. And so every little movement from the baby sounds from the baby um, were amplified in that restricted environmental stimuli environment. So uh, we would sing to the baby and talk to the baby. 
uh, pregnant women it's really, really popular with. And, and what you can do is you can bring in pool noodles or floaties into the float tank with you for extra neck support or knee support if you want to prop your knees up. Interesting. Because um, your you know your center of gravity is out of whack. Well, it's not out of whack. It's just you're pregnant. So you know your center of gravity is a little bit um, off. Pregnant. Um, so you can m- manipulate that with with the floaties. And also, in some cases, we've seen pregnant women float face down uh, with their arms resting over. Uh, a pool noodle, you know, foam, uh-huh. foam cylinder yes. to do this one to get some like uh, um, some pressure alleviated from their spine. Yes. So yeah, it's really popular with pregnant women. Wow. Now, is there anyone that shouldn't go to floating? If people have perhaps a skin disease of some form, are there, are there any cases where you'd say well probably best not to if you have any sort of open wound it's yeah. you're not going to want to be in there it's so salty that i mean even a hangnail on your fingernail it's going to sting this little tiny bit yes so if you if you have like um you know really bad psoriasis yes um it's going to hurt if there's any open sores on your body but the salt water kills any bacteria. Bacteria, um, um, fecal form, um, um, any sort of, of outside contaminant doesn't survive. Just like the Dead Sea, it doesn't survive in the float tank. And then it's filtered four times. The whole body of water is filtered four times between each session. So the water is way cleaner than any pool you've ever been in. Yes. Um, but above and beyond that, I've heard some people, I've heard both sides, people with vertigo who have trouble, who, you know, lose balance and have get dizzy. I've had some people have amazing floats, amazing experiences because they can like settle in and they don't feel dizzy. And I've heard the other way where people it's amplified because they don't, their orientation is off. You know, you're, um, there's a there's a pretty common sensation in in the float sessions where sometimes you feel like you're rotating on on this axis, but even sometimes you'll feel like you're rotating on this axis going forward, and that can be disorienting a little bit if you're if you're not looking forward or if you have you know an inner ear issue. Yes. Um, you can't float if you are. Uh, if you've dyed your hair in the last two weeks because the hair dye gets zapped out um, into the float tank, so the, the float tank zaps all the color out of your hair. Um, if you've had tattoo work done, you're going to want to wait until that's fully healed. But above and beyond that, one of the best things about this is that, that, that if you're sick, if you're dealing with something, this is an excellent place to get therapy, an excellent place to get relief because – um, it's clean and sanitized between each float and um, nothing can survive in it. So, so that no, nobody's ever contracted anything from a float tank. Wow. I guess skin, skin conditions would clear up. How, how, how about acne on the, on, the, um, on the body? Does that clear up? Yeah, well? it does. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've, I have a couple of friends who have experienced that, you know, they, whether they have sort of acne on their back or on their butt cheeks and what it does is it conditions the skin. That magnesium absorption conditions your dermis. And so when you come out, the, the water is really viscous. It's, uh, it's, 
it's slippery because of the salination. Yeah. And what that does to your skin is it, it flushes and detoxifies your lymphatic system. So yeah, your skin comes out feeling really, really good. There's some people that I know that float just for that specifically. Do you need to have a shower? Do you recommend a shower of uh, fresh water after flotation or do you just dry, pat yourself dry? Yeah, you're definitely going to want to shower afterward to get it out of your hair, to get it off your skin because it is, you know, dries and it's it's crystally and sort of crusty. So yeah, for <laughs> sure you're going to want to, you're going to want to shower afterward. Okay. Now remember at the very start of the summer, we were, you were asking me where do we want this conversation to go? Well, let's dive into the rabbit holes. Now you're talking about um, experiences that people have while they're doing their flotation. Can could you describe some of the experiences? to us yeah no 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 boundaries just okay all people come in and say wow you never believe this and then they say their, their story if you can share some of yeah. those please. Uh, i've had uh, w one story is uh she was the last float of the night i was closing down the float studio and she was just sitting there on the couch after her float, just sort of like not really doing anything, just kind of like dazing, uh, just sort of looking at the wall. Yeah. And I let her be, you know, it's not like, hey, how was that? Did you have fun? How, tell me about, you know, it's like, you got to give people space. Yeah, you don't do cross you the crown on them, no. Yeah, no, no. So I, I gave her space for like 10 minutes and then I gave her space for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, I got to kind of close this shop up. I walked over to her and I said, how you doing? She said, I'm good. And I said, you know, I'm here if you want to talk about your experience at all. And she goes, okay, here's what happened. Um, I've been going to therapy for about 10 years because I have reoccurring dreams of past lives. And so I've been doing some past life regression work. And I know that one of my past lives, I was the captain of a ship, like Peacoat, corn cob pipe, the whole nine yards. And she said, what I just experienced was the death of one of my previous lives. And I was like, tell me more. She said, I was in a battle at sea. Um, I went down with my ship and the last, uh, the last, the last awareness that I had in this waking past life regression inside of your float tank, John, was of me finally letting go. I was floating on my back. The cannons were still firing. There was debris in the water. My ship had gone down and I just like finally let go. And I was like, whoa. So she and I talked for another, you know, half an hour about what that experience meant to her. And it was cathartic. It was, it was, it was deeply, deeply profound for her to go through this experience of, of, of letting that life go because she was hanging on to it for whatever reason. Another experience, you know, in my first float session, I left my body and it got that later spurned on an astral projection practice that I kept up with inside the float tank for about a year where I was projecting out of body fairly frequently with recall um, from the float tank, but this was involuntary. I popped out of the tank. This like sound happens. And uh, I am suddenly in this guy's basement and I turn it 180 and I look back at myself down floating in the float tank. 
went, okay. And I have been meditating long enough and done enough psychedelics that I know to just keep calm in those situations. It's going to be okay. So I kept calm. And then I zipped out into his backyard and I saw his backyard and I saw his dog and I came back into the house and I saw his kid's bedroom and then finally came back into my body, um, which was the, the second involuntary out-of-body experience that I had had in my life. Um, what's more common experientially is um, this natural meditative process where people sometimes will come out and go, that felt like 20 minutes to me. How on earth was that an hour? Uh, I, when the music came on to let me know my float was finished, I thought I had been cheated out of my float session and I was pissed until I realized that it, I looked at my watch and it was an actual hour. What happens is, is that when people go into that theta brainwave state, it's punctuated by this feeling, this law, this, this losing track of time. You know, they don't really, they don't, time is sort of inconsequential when you're floating like a baby in outer space. And so 20, an hour feels a little bit more like 20 minutes. Um, people maybe think that they've fallen asleep. Sometimes they do, but more often than not, they were just meditating and they've never felt that before. You know, some people have hypnagogic imagery, which is, you know, the sort of uh, visuals that you get. Not, I don't like the word hallucinations because it sort of marginalizes that visionary state. So they, what I like to call is just the, they have a visual experience where it's either like a cloudy purple cloud that's sort of wisping around inside the tank with them or like fractal geometric shapes, you know, um, I've heard people, in fact, from that same from that same episode from ABC News, you can still find it on YouTube if you just type in "nightline sensory de or altered states or sensory deprivation." It was ABC News. The uh, anchor that was reporting on this story wasn't going to float, and I said, "Man, John, you have to float. Like, you have to be able to tell us about your experience. You're the guy." And he's like, "Okay." So he floated and he talks about his experience and his experience, he was transported back to his home as a first grader and he was walking around inside of his old house. Um, his dog was there. His siblings were there. His father was there. His dad had actually died two years prior. So he was living without his dad, but he got to hug his dad in this, in, in this, waking, wakeful, altered state of consciousness. He went back to his home as a kid and he got really emotional about it. He started to cry. He started to talk about how like beautiful that was. You know, the mind is, is we know such, so little about consciousness. You know, we really don't have any idea where it comes from. We don't, you know, we're learning more and more through sort of quantum science. Um, but we can do just about anything with our minds. And if that's past life regression, fine. If that's going back to first grade, fine. If that's composing a song or writing poetry while you float, fine. That's all fine too. There's such a wide range because consciousness is infinite. And so, so that experience can be as well.
does flotation therapy or can flotation therapy help with school grades, for example, or one's mental ability, improve one's ability to con concentrate on tasks? Definitely. Yeah. Because you're not processing external stimuli, mm. you, this is, it's an excellent, excellent study tool. You know, we've got a lot of college students that, that go to like let the information that they've been studying sink in a little bit. There's also some research from the 80s and 90s about super learning in the flow tank. You know, language acquisition is expedited in the flow tank because you're not having to deal with the crow outside or bright lights or gravity for that matter. And so you can take in self-hypnosis, go through self-hypnosis inside the float tank, which has been really powerful. One of my staff members uh, learned Swedish um, in the float tank, she was, it was something that she decided she really wanted to do. Um, so whether you're bringing specific tasks into your float session that you want to work on, or if you want study material to sink in a little bit, yeah, the benefits, there's lots of benefits there. Right. Um, top, top athletes like yourself, Sean, and me, um, would, would we see a gain in our on-track performance? With, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, for you, it would be a game changer. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously a sporty guy, uh, your body needs a chance to recover. You know, like when you push it, this is expedited recovery. And we've had, you know, you know Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seahawks, uh, float – lots of members of uh, NFL teams and college teams. The benefit is, is, is massive, especially for recovery. So expedited injury repair because of the magnesium, because of the lubrication in the joints, um, because you are getting into a parasympathetic, uh, parasympathetic state. Yes. So yeah, that's the biggest benefit I think is, is for recovery and, uh, and, and musculature regeneration. Oh, Okay. The flotation tank uses Epsom salts. Do, do they always historically use Epsom salts or do they use common sea salt in the beginning? They all use Epsom salts. Yes. Um, I have heard of, of other people using like Himalayan salt, you know, Himalayan crystal salt, yes. the pink salt. Mm -hmm. I've only heard of a couple of people doing that, you know, like real innovators. Um, way I mean way more out there hippies than me you know using Himalayan salt we actually add some Himalayan salt to the float tanks um just for added absorption of of electrolytes and minerals but yeah Epsom salt is really the go-to have you tried having subliminal music and then suggestions perhaps as as sound obviously you've got to sound to, and the alarm to say your your hour is up <laughs> put another coin in the slot but do you have you ever thought of like subliminal music well, i guess the language that would have been one such example of what i'm asking where this message is, is given in a hidden way if you like and then yeah. taken in you could, uh, you could you could do it in kind of two ways one way is to play it through the actual float tank because all of the float tanks are equipped with speakers yes. so you can play whatever you want you can bring yes. your phone and yes bring your favorite playlist and listen to that if you want. Um, um, 
or you now uh, there are extra long waterproof earplug earbuds that you can wear that have rubber kind of you know inserts that you can listen to while you're floating so you can do like self-hypnosis for example something that i toyed around with for a long time um um i want to there's a lot of things i want to do uh so i would do uh, you know self-hypnosis tracks for an hour where i'm talking to myself and building up my you know programming my subconscious mind Yes. Um, so yeah, you want to listen to Dark Side of the Moon? Go for it. You want to listen to Bach or you know Icelandic death metal? Like yeah, for sure, go for it. A lot of other people use like binaural beats, um, where there's you know different different tones going on in in either ear um, yes. to sync you know your your brain hemispheric integration. So yeah, you can you can you can do whatever. Very, very interesting. Um, have you have you got any other any suggestions you have for people that have got had life uh, traumas, personal traumas in their life? Uh, would you recommend flotation therapy? Are that just general traumas? Not it's not war zone ones, but they can often feel like they're war zone. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know. It is it is the safest, most reliable way to confront your darkness. Okay, okay. It is a profound opportunity to safely and effectively do shadow work. If there's some if there are some dark parts of you that yeah. you've been suppressing that are manifesting in your life. Yes. in various yucky ways yes. this is a great first step to go in and just see what comes up just to go in yeah. and allow yourself to relax fully and and see see what see what comes up the things that need processing usually present themselves and like i said before combined with other therapeutic modalities emdr um, you know, talk therapy, yes. um, those can be a, an excellent addition to a flow practice where you can see yourself in your purest form. Like your, your consciousness is, is a signature, your energetic signature. That's just you has, uh, there's always work to do. And if you are suppressing trauma in your life or avoiding dealing with this thing or something, or maybe even don't, don't know what it is to go into the float tank with the intention to just heal. I'm here for healing. That's something that I tell a lot of people to do is to, to, to state out loud in the shower, right before you get into the float tank, why you're here. I'm floating tonight for healing. I'm floating tonight for insight. I'm floating tonight for purpose. Um, my relationship, the resolution to a problem, doing that before you get into the tank and then letting that expectation go and just sort of taking what comes is, is, is a really a, an effective way to self therapize. Um, you know, here, here in Washington, you know, cannabis is legal and I have been a proponent of, um, edible cannabis 
during your float session to go even deeper, to go into that, to go into yourself. You know, if, if you want, it's an altered state of consciousness, just like meditation or a psychedelic. It's an altered state of consciousness. It is consciousness. It's just, it's just a little bit different. And the, the opportunity to really grow and to really know thyself while you are in that float tank uh, is immense. I think everybody, everybody's got to try it. You said earlier you had an out-of-body experience and you also made a small comment as you're uh, saying the story, how you had your experience and you to keep calm. But what if you didn't have that right frame of mind and you did freak out for want of a better word? Can you, is there like a pull cord to say, look, guys, I want to get out? It, it's up to you. Yeah, you can, you can leave the light on or if it's off, you can turn the light back on. Um, you can lean forward and push the door open. Oh. So it's not like, yeah, so you're not, you're not locked in. If you need to get out, get out. Go take a cold shower, like regroup, totally okay. Yes. What, what happens more often than not is people who are having a hard time in there, you know, if they're fidgety, yeah. um, if you move too much, you're likely to get some of that water in your eye and it is so salty that it stings. Yes. And that can kind of like, whoa, ah, you know, it can, yes. it can interrupt your, your zen, mm. your chill a little bit. So if you're having a hard time, uh, with with whatever you're experiencing, um, just open the door. Okay. Get you know get more air in there. Turn the light on. Go jump in the shower and rinse off and get back in. Yeah. Do people that have um, got claustrophobia can they go in the it, tanks and they're okay with it? Yeah, that that's the first objection that we hear is well, I don't like tight spaces. Well, nobody likes tight spaces. You know, like. Nobody wants to get locked in an elevator, but that's not what this is. You know, your, your arms can go all the way out to the side. They can go all the way above your head. Um, oftentimes without touching the, the, the inside of the tank, yes. you can leave the lights on. You can bring music to help with that, that fear of claustrophobia. And I've heard it so many times I've had, I, I think about it a lot and I think the claustrophobia is really a manifestation of some other fear. It may be attached to some trauma you've experienced. Yes. It may be a body discomfort. You know, it, it may be pain. Mm. Um, but you're in control of the situation. And when people know that they can leave the light on, leave the door open, yes. uh, turn some music on that makes them feel good, mm. uh, I say go for it. Yeah, if that, was, if that helps you get in there, do it. Okay. And probably become accustomed to it. So next time they... They can go a little bit further and leave the light off, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time on Sam. It's been fantastic. Is there any, anything you'd like to say before we pull the pull the pin? On this yeah, one? yeah. I, I I think that we all should be more concerned with knowing ourselves better. Yes. Yes. It should be a priority, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's part of growth. You've got to know who you are and develop yourself. How can people contact you if they want to? Yeah. So my website is seanmccormick.com, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K.com. It's real Sean McCormick on Instagram. Uh, the float centers that I founded are called Float Seattle. There's three locations here in, the, in, in our area. Um, and I'm, I'm all, I'm an open book. 
Um, I'm a life coach and a professional coach and performance coach. I love to help people. If you're inspired or you have questions about any of this stuff, please don't hesitate to send me an email, sean at seanmccormick.com, S-E-A-N, and uh, I'd love to connect. Thank you so much, Sean, for your time, and thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Okay, and, and uh, Facebook people, thank you so much for your questions. They're very great too. <laughs> okay, until next week, we're talking about uh, pre-birth and um, birth of your newborn. Um, we're going to talk about that next week. So I'll see you all then. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>